you're listening to Straight from the Heart, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Our teacher here on Straight from the Heart is Senior Pastor Joe Foch. We're currently in the New Testament going verse by verse through the book of Mark. On today's broadcast, we'll continue our study beginning in chapter 9. Before we finish, I'll give you some additional information so you can contact us with any questions or comments. But first, open your Bible to Mark chapter 9, and let's join Pastor Joe as he continues. Mark chapter 9, we have come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. We have Jesus casting the demon out of the demon-possessed boy. The disciples asking why they couldn't do that. Jesus saying, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And we've come as far as verse 30 in chapter 9 in Mark, where it says, and they departed from there, and they passed through Galilee, and would not that any man should know it. Now that's tough as he would go through Galilee where he was well known, but he's looking to spend as much time alone with the 12 as he possibly can at this point in time. So it says he would have no man to know it for he taught the disciples and said unto them. Now he was teaching them. He's saying it more more than once. The son of man is delivered into the hands of men now, your translation might say betrayed into the hands of men, and that's kind of a new idea each time he's building as he gives them information about the passion, the crucifixion, the resurrection. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. They shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. Now imagine that. You and I just read that, and it was the plainest, it was as plain vanilla to us. There's no confusion at all. It says they listened to him say the very thing that we just read, and they didn't understand it. They didn't understand. You know, he just, he just, as Caesarea Philippi said, whom do men say that I am? And then you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I'll build the church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. Takes them through all of that. Challenges them about taking up their cross. Takes three of them up in the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, there's remarkable things going on. Now he says to them again, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed going to be killed and the third day rise again. And it says they didn't know what he was talking about. Isn't that amazing? They didn't know what he was talking about. The very Messiah we know and we're so familiar with who came and died on the cross and rose the third day, it all seemed so foreign to them. It says, but they were afraid to ask, you know, they, they, they were afraid to ask him what it was he was talking about. And he came to Capernaum. And being in the house, now it would seem that this is Peter's house, he asked them, and the tense is interesting here, he kept asking them. He's so patient with us, isn't he? Sometimes he has to keep asking us something. And he knew the answer, by the way, all the time he was asking them. He kept asking them, what was it that you disputed 
among yourselves by the way. And by the way, that's a heated word. They had a heated argument along the way as they're coming to the house. But they held their peace, for by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Now, Jesus is trying to tell them, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed right the third day. And, and they don't understand. They're not asking him. And they get into a heated debate. There's actually anger involved. Who's going to be the greatest? Now, can you imagine? You know, because maybe because he said flesh, you know, blessed art thou Simon Barjona. Maybe because he took the three to the Mount of Transfiguration and the others were down in the valley. And maybe when they come down, they say to the other guys, you know, we can't believe you guys couldn't cast that demon out. You know, just, you know, you guys can't do anything while we're gone. You know, what were you guys doing? Well, we can't say. We can't tell, we're not allowed to tell you, you know. Uh, just, so there's a dispute now. Who's going to be the guy? Why do you three guys always get to do the special stuff with them? You know, well, I know why, because if he doesn't take you three, you get in trouble all the time. You're like little kids. He can't leave you with the rest of us. That's why he takes you three. So they're, and they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I'm going to be greater than you are in the kingdom. No, I'm going to be greater than you. And, and we're told in Matthew that the mother of James and John appeals to Jesus to let her sons sit one on the right hand and one on the left hand. And in the current culture, anywhere where there was a monarchy, the seat on the right hand of the king was the second most powerful in the kingdom. And the, the seat on the left hand of the king was the third most powerful in the kingdom. And uh, their mother, Salome, is Mary's sister, so their cousins are trying to keep it all in the family. Let us sit on either side of the throne. We can't trust these other guys. They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And now, look, it says Jesus kept asking them, what were you guys arguing about? Oh, nothing. No, 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 really. What were you guys fighting about? Oh, nothing. Nothing wasn't important. Oh, come on, tell me. What were you guys arguing about? And they're afraid to tell him, and he keeps asking them, and he sat down and he called the twelve and he said unto them, if any man desire to be first, foremost, they're probably going, oh man, I can't believe he was asking us. He knew what we were arguing about. The same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him Mark's the one who tells us in his arms. And Jesus has got this little kid with his arms around him, sitting there. When he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. Whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. And John answered him and saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. He followed not with us. Notice he doesn't say he followed not with you. He followed not with us. And we forbid him because he followed not with us. Not because he didn't follow you, Lord. Jesus takes this little child and says, whosoever shall receive such a child in my name is going to receive a reward. Then John says, we saw someone casting out devils in your name, and we told them not to do it. And maybe they're still thinking about the fact they couldn't cast out this demon. So he says, we told this guy, you're not part of our denomination. 
You didn't go through our board. You didn't get accepted by the Synod. You're not part of us. There's not 13. There's 12 apostles. And uh, who do you think you are? And, you know, do you have a permission slip? Did you, you know, talk to the missions board? Do you, where's your ordination paper? What seminary did you go to? You know, just all of this. He's not following with us, so we forbid him. And Jesus said, forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. Great lesson for the church. You know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people there that we knew were wrong theologically when we were on earth, and they're getting in anyway. <laughs> and then we'll find out what we were wrong about when we get there. Uh, if they're not against him, he says, they're for him. If they're not tearing him down, they're on our part. And Jesus said, there isn't anybody who can lightly really see something miraculous happen in my name that can lightly speak evil of me, that can, that can do that. That's not going to happen. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. He's casting out demons. If somebody just gives a cup of water, he says, he's not going to lose his reward. Now, he's going to go into some very serious portion of Scripture here. Let's read into this. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and that he was cast into the sea. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones in my name. Now, it seems he would still have the child there. It is better. Here is the preferable thing for him to have a millstone. And again, there was the small millstone that was used by hand. And there was the bigger millstone drawn by an ox. This is the big one. Not that the little one wouldn't take you right down. This is the big one. It's better for him to have a millstone hanged about his neck and to be cast into the sea. This sounds more like the Godfather than Father God here, doesn't it? He's got a solution. And, you know, and you think of people today who make fun of or malign or mock little children that are developing a genuine faith. You think of kids that go into a public school or, for that matter, into a high school and have a teacher mock their belief or mock the, the fact they believe in creation or, you know, Jesus gives a stern warning about those who would stumble any little one that believes in him. And I think we need to take it to heart. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into, no, it's a definite article. It is better for you to enter into the life maimed, eternal life, heaven, than having two hands to go into hell, and the word is Gehenna here throughout, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where there, the individuals who go into hell, where their worm dieth not and 
King James says, the fire is not quenched. The verse he's quoting from in Isaiah says, and their fire is not quenched. So Jesus, no annihilationist here. Jesus talking about the eternal state, Gehenna, he said it is a place where their worm dieth not. Now this is a place of outer flames and outer burning. So there's a special kind of worm that lives there and doesn't die where their worm dieth not, and where their the fire is not quenched. There are those today who try to say that when you die, you're gone. You cease to exist if you're lost. You're annihilated. Uh, the Bible doesn't know anything of that. Again, the word Gehenna, I believe, is used 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times from the lips of Jesus. He spoke more about hell than anyone else. In fact, statistically more about hell than heaven. So he warns them. If your hand offend you, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter life maimed than to having two hands to go into hell, hell fire uh, that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Call it what it is and deal with it. If it, you know, you're a Christian, you're in compromise, there's something going on in your life, deal with it. Call it what it is and get rid of it. You know, those who offend a little one, be better for them to have a millstone. The preferable thing, to have a millstone tied around their neck, throw it in the sea. Though there's something wrong in your life. There's something that needs to be straightened out. His, the exhortation is very harsh. Is cut it out. Deal with it. Get rid of it. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into the life than having two feet to be cast into Gehenna, into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm, those who are there, dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, Gehenna fire, the eye, the hand, the foot, whatever the particular type of spiritual cancer we might have, cut it out, don't rationalize it, get rid of it, he says, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Um, very severe. Back in Matthew, when he used the same type of an analogy, it was there where he said, you have heard it hath been said of them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. I tell you, if you look at a woman to lust her, you have already committed adultery. You have heard it hath been said of them of old, thou shalt do no murder. I say, if you're angry at your brother, you're already guilty before God. And then he says, if your eye offends thee, pluck it out. If your hands offends you, cut it off. In other words, if you think the problem, well, I have eyes, don't I? What am I not supposed to lust? Not so look well. If you think the problem's your eye, pluck it out. You'll find out the problem's the heart, not the eye. If, if you, know, you know, you would slug this guy too. What am I supposed to do? You know, we, well, if you think the problem's your hand, cut it off. And you'll want to hit somebody with your, out your hand. You know, the way we are. Here, it just seems to be very more severe, a warning. Look, get rid of those things in your life. Don't play with them. Don't negotiate with them. Get rid of them. Those things in your life that would drag you away from eternal life, cut them off, get rid of them, get them out of your life. Better to go through life without any one of those things that people tend to hold on to sometimes. Get rid of them than to enter in to hell, he says. For everyone shall be salted with fire, 
Every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, have peace with one another. Now, it's an interesting conclusion to this challenge about our lifestyle. He says, everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. They were aware that in Numbers and Leviticus, different places, salt was added to some of the sacrifices, part of consecration. It would intensify the burning, and uh, sometimes salt was added in that sense. So he's challenging us to have salt in yourselves. Everyone's going to be salted with fire. It says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, all of our works are going to be tested as of by fire. They're going to have to endure. Some of our works as gold, silver, precious stones are going to endure the flame. Some of our works as, uh, as wood, hay, and stubble are going to be burned up, but the soul is going to be saved. He says here to have salt in yourselves, to be worth something. Everyone's going to be salted with fire. Every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good. If it's lost its saltness, wherewith shall you season it? That, and by the way, that's something they were familiar with. Um, salt was a very important part of their culture. The Roman soldiers, part of their pay would be a bag of salt. Uh, it was called the salarium. It's where we get our word salary, as a matter of fact, from the salt they would receive. They would use it to preserve meat. It was a preservative. They would use it as an antiseptic on a cut. Uh, it was very important. And... Um, there, there was salt that they would mine down by the Dead Sea that was not fit for the table. It was not fit for medical. And Jesus said it's good for nothing to be, to be thrown out and trodden under the foot of men. They would put it on the pathways through their fields and the farm. And one of the four rooms in the court of women contained salt. They would throw out on the courts in the winter when uh, sometimes there was ice on the marble and the limestone there. It was good for nothing, not to be used, but to be thrown out under the feet of men, Jesus says back in Matthew. He says here to us, have salt in yourself. Um, I think it was Tozier that says that, that we need to let our testimony have some tang. That's what Jesus is saying, that our, our testimony needs to have some tang to it that uh, it shouldn't be dry. There should be salt. We're told in uh, Colossians that our speech should be seasoned with salt. It should be filled with grace and seasoned with salt. The way we are, the way we touch other lives, it should be as a preservative. It should be with some tang to stir them up. It should be uh, medicinal, as it were, salt, an important thing. It should cause, we should have enough salt in ourselves that the fire burns a little, little more heated in our hearts and our service for Christ. He just gives this big uh, discussion about those who are compromised, those that have things in their lives that need to be cut out, and then he challenges the, the, the disciples to have salt in themselves, to have that which would cause them to burn more purely and more completely on his behalf. And he arose from there, it says, and he came into the coasts of Judea by the farther side of the Jordan. And the people resorted unto him again. As he was wont, he taught them again. Now he's on the other side of the Jordan. He's leaving Galilee for the last time. He won't see Galilee again until he's in his resurrected body. 
He's moving down, crossing over to the other side of Jordan, the, where the country of Jordan is today, the other side of the Jordan River, traveling down that side, typical of the Jews, so they wouldn't pass through the area of Samaria, which they considered a compromised or a Gentile area. And they would travel down the other side of the Jordan River. In the process of that, with great throngs that are headed to Jerusalem for the Passover, he is encountered by the Pharisees and they ask him a question about divorce, which was a current debate in the culture. Now, with all the religious hypocrisy they had in the day, it was at least a current debate. In our culture, it is no longer a debate, sadly. Sadly. If you study the statistics on no-fault divorce in our culture, Used to be, if you were going to divorce, there was only fault divorce. It had to be because of adultery. It had to be because of abuse. It had to be because of um, um, forsaking the other partner. Um, there were some very specific causes that were acceptable in the courtroom in regards to divorce. Nowadays, we have no fault divorce, and the divorce rate has skyrocketed since that law has been passed, that we can divorce for any cause. That was not ever God's original intention. Now, there was a debate in Jesus' day. It started before him. It was cooking in this day. It's going to tell us here they're seeking a way that they might catch him in this. The liberal view held by Hillel was that you could put your wife away for any reason at all, for burning the gravy, you could put your wife away for making fun of your mom and dad, the in-laws. You could make, put your wife away for going out in public with her head uncovered. You could put your wife away for burning dinner. The, the, the list goes on and on and on and on. It's really remarkable. Shemiah and Akabah, two other rabbis, were very conservative, and they said, no, it has to be for an uncleanness. And of course, the question there is, morally, what is that uncleanness? Because in the culture, if a woman committed adultery, she was stoned to death. So there was no divorce necessary. Um, you don't divorce a dead wife. Uh, in fact, uh, there was a struggle this time because the Romans had taken the right of the Jews away to execute the death sentence. And it still happened, though. Stephen's going to get stoned. But, but the Romans sought to enforce that, and you had to bring one, someone to a Roman court to execute the death sentence. That, that's why Jesus was brought up on civil charges, finally, before Pilate. So they come to Jesus, and they want to embroil him in this controversy. There are religious pilgrims going to Jerusalem. They think we can catch him in this in front of the crowds. So it says in verse 2 that the Pharisees came to him and continued to ask him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? And it says they said that, tempting him. They are right in the area of uh, Perea where Antipas has a fortress there, Marcaris, and he had been challenged by John the Baptist about living with his brother's wife and living in adultery. And now they're, they're saying now, is it lawful to put someone away? So they're hoping that they might catch him in his words. He answered and said unto them, what did Moses command you? What is the law saying? That concludes our teaching time here on Straight from the Heart. 
If you enjoyed today's message from Mark chapter 9 and would like to hear it again in its entirety, you can listen to it on our website for free at www.ccphilly.org. Just go to our homepage and click on Listen to Current Messages, then select Straight from the Heart and click on the study with today's date. Today's message number is SPM 542. That's SPM 542. You can also listen to today's teaching from Mark chapter 9 or any other message from Genesis to Revelation by downloading our free app on your tablet or mobile device. Just go to your app store and search for Calvary Chapel Philadelphia or go to our website and click the link for the mobile app. In addition to our app, you can also study the Bible with Pastor Joe by subscribing to our Straight from the Heart radio podcast available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you have any questions or comments about today's message, or maybe you would like to let us know how the Lord has blessed you through Pastor Joe's teaching, we'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to contact us by email at radio at ccphilly.org. That's radio at ccphilly.org. For more information on this broadcast or Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, don't forget to visit our website at ccphilly.org. While you're visiting our website, make sure you check out our Daily Devotions page. By subscribing to Daily Devotions with Pastor Joe, you can receive a short, encouraging video message every weekday morning in your email. If you prefer not to use email, you can also find Daily Devotions with Pastor Joe on our free app or by subscribing to our Daily Devos podcast. Thanks for listening and remember to join us next time as we continue with more great Bible teaching that comes straight from the heart.